Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. You're about to arrive to the right place. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Ellen and Aaron Sports Podcast. Are you ready for it? Now, here is Ellen and Aaron. Ellen and Aaron. Good evening, everybody. I'm ready for it here tonight. It's uh, December 3rd, 2021. This is the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk podcast. We are live here tonight. Hopefully, you're listening to us live. If not, of course, uh, hopefully, you can hear us on repeat on Blog Talk Radio, or actually, rather, on iHeartRadio, I should say. Uh, We've got a lot to get to tonight. Uh, Since our last show, we had a week off last week with Thanksgiving, and hopefully, everyone had a joyous time with their family. Uh, we've got a lot of sports talk to get to tonight, uh, a lot of stuff in National Football League, uh, a lot of college football to talk about, uh, Major League Baseball, um, a lot of different topics to get to. We're going to try to get that all in here this evening. And uh, Alan, uh, he is back with us, of course, now back in the state of Florida. He was out um, the last two weeks, and uh, we're glad to have you back. Uh, Alan, how are you tonight? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. How about yourself? How are you doing? Doing well, doing well, staying busy. Um, life is going at full light speed right now, so it's uh, it's been been a fun time. And I cannot believe uh, we're in December and we're almost through almost our second year as a as a show here. So this has uh, really been fantastic. It's gone by very fast. It sure has. It's already been going on for, for a while now. This show, and I can't believe that it's getting close to the two year anniversary. It's unbelievable. We've done so much coming up here, man. We've uh, really uh, hit. Uh, hit things pretty quick here and uh, we're growing at a, uh, I'd say a rapid pace. Um, so that's definitely a good thing. So tonight we've got uh, a lot to get to. Uh, we're going to try and get everything into the uh, hour and 15 minutes or so that we have our show for. So definitely uh, buckle up and be ready for our take on what's going on in the world of sports. But tonight we've got a special guest. Alan, tell us who we have with us. Yes, we got a special guest. We're delighted to have, our very own pro golfer we have we have ourselves here, Tox Pedro, and he's the first Nigerian ever to earn status on a PGA Tour in China. He's also signed as an official Titleist athlete in the fall 2018 and 2018. And you know I love golf, so I'm excited to talk to Tox, and he's on the line now. We'll go ahead and bring him on. How you doing? This is Alan from Hello. the Alan and Eric Gracious Radio Show. Hi, hi. Uh, it's Tokes, by the way, Tokes. I know. Tokes. Uh, I apologize. Yeah, no, you're good. You're good. You're good. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing excellent. Thank you so much for joining right. us. Thank right. you. Yeah. Yes. So uh, definitely. Yeah. Thank real, you. I appreciate real... it. Oh, you appreciate you being with us tonight, and and I'm glad to to hear about your story. So tell us, how did you get started in golf? How did it all begin with golf? Um, so I started when I was nine years old. My dad is um my dad has been playing golf for five years old. And um my we went on a trip. I used to live in Nigeria and we went as a family to South Africa on a and uh first time in South Africa my dad went golfing the first couple of days and then the third day he's like, You wanna come? And I'm and I was kinda of like, I don't know. 
he was basically like, you're, you're not going to regret it. Just come. I came and I saw everything and the golf course was beautiful. And I asked him to hit a ball in the last hole and I whiffed it. And I was like, all right, I got to get good at this. So I asked him to, um, if I could get some clubs and he got me clubs and I, I'm, you know, we spent a few more days there and I just played golf every day while I was there and went back to Nigeria and, you know, this is history. Wow, that's impressive. And you went yeah. back to Nigeria and then you just started playing golf and picked up the game, I guess, at that point even more. Yes, yes. Um, so, you know, back in Nigeria, there was a golf course about uh, – and uh, I would go every Saturday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Friday after school, Saturday and Sunday, um, all day basically, just play and practice, you know. And I'm, I met some friends that also played, and we would compete. And um, I realized I, I really enjoyed it. And um, you know, at that time, uh, like I said, I used to live in Nigeria. I lived there till I was 13. At that time, I was very into soccer and. I, I kind of like golf took over my love for soccer and then it became a love of golf. And then, you know, I would play and practice at, you know, as much as I could, I realized that, you know, this is actually a really great game, you know, for many reasons. And, um, you know, I, I, I focus on a, a goal of mine to get as good as I could get. And at that time, yeah, so that's definitely good that you went ahead and started practicing, and that they had a facility there that you can uh, yeah. practice. What are some of the challenges that some players have playing maybe in in Nigeria that want to get recognized mm-hmm. here in the states? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there there are professional golfers in Nigeria, golfers that yeah. are competitive. The you know the facilities there are not anywhere as good as here. But um, and 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 there's not as many comp- competitions, not as many tournaments, not as many players, and not as many opportunities. And even though there are some great players, um, they just don't. It's you know, golf is really expensive, especially in the U.S. And you know, they need the investment and the sponsorship to be able to come internationally to, to different countries and compete. And, and that's really the difficulty for a lot of those guys is to travel, to compete, to, you know, get the equipment they need, the coaching they need, the facilities they need. It's really – and that's really the challenge, and that's something I hope, you know, eventually we can we can change and, and create new opportunities for guys back home. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it is, it is not an easy sport, golf by itself, and then having – the pressure of dealing with paying for those, those expenses, you know, golf yeah. is not cheap either. It's definitely yeah. not an easy sport to keep up with. And how was that experience with you signing with Titleist to become one of their athletes? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very lucky. Um, in 2018, I, I qualified for the U S amateur um, in July, 2018. I played at Pebble beach and um, shortly after I turned professional and, I met someone at in, in in West Palm Beach that recommended me to um, Jim Ahern, who was one of the executives at Titleist, and he looked at my resume and was like, "We'd like to have you part of our team." So, from 20, late 2018 on, 
I became part of the Tyler's team, and um, they they gave give me free equipment, free golf balls, free everything, and you know I get to represent them and um, in China for a whole. some of the best equipment we have some of the best apparel and it's a privilege to be able to get all that stuff for free and and be a representative of them sure wow that's that's very impressive and is it yeah. you know with that uh sponsor well that that definitely that you signing with Titleist is that something that's on a period of time or is it a mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's uh, it renews yearly. Uh, basically, I'm, you know, when I get on the PGA Tour, hopefully soon, um, or on the Corn Ferry Tour, they make a long-term contract. They they give you a paid sponsorship to stay on their roster. But until then, it's a yearly thing, and basically every year, they just require you to play a certain number of tournaments and require you to keep up a schedule and and everything and um, you know, I've been playing a lot, and I've been, you know, trying to, you know, move my way up. And I've had some ups and downs, but overall, I've seen an upward trajectory, and I think I'm very close to to making it out there. Yeah, I mean, definitely, it, it does sound like you. I did look at your scores there that that was posted here, and you definitely shoot really well. What would you mm-hmm. say is some of your things that you need to maybe work on to get a little bit, maybe to the next level? Yeah, um, I mean, golf is a is a game of many uh, facets. You know, you got to be great with the putter, great around the greens, into the greens, off the tee, and then you have to be great mentally. And and then on top of that, you have to be consistent. You can't just be great one day and bad the next. You kind of have to piece it together for sometimes three, four straight rounds. Um, and you know, that's the challenge. You know, anybody can be really good one day, and, and anyone can be really good at one aspect for a few days in a row, and that's when you know you're you're ready. And I think I'm I'm getting there. You know, I'm I'm not quite where I need to be to be on the PGA Tour, but I'm I feel like I'm closer now than I than I've ever been, and I'm getting a grasp of what it what it what it's needed to to make it out there. Um, Luckily, I'm able to compete with some of the guys that have played on tour, some of the guys who are on tour right now. Some of my friends are playing on the Corn Ferry. Some are actually playing on the PGA Tour. So I, I like to pick their brain and see what, you know, they do and th- that I might not be doing and and basically learn as much as I can from them. And, yeah, it's, it's a process. It's obviously very hard, but it's, it's really actually attainable as long as, you know, I stay focused. I keep working hard and, and, and know what I have to keep on improving. Yeah, definitely. It is obtainable. It is, you know, that yeah. I always am a advocate that if you work hard, you believe in yourself, you go after it, you can achieve it. And it's definitely something yeah. that I believe you have the potential of doing. I know that you are looking for, you have the title sure. deal. You are looking for other opportunities for corporate sponsorships. If somebody uh-huh. is interested in, in investing in you what would make what would you say to them if they were on the fence of doing it that they should go ahead and do invest in you well first of all um i would like to explain to them why investing in a pro golfer is um well it's important for for the golfer first of all um it, like i said it's 
extremely expensive to play professional golf. You have to account for travel to events. You got to account for having the facilities to practice and play every day, uh, entry, tournament entry fees, coaching, and then just your overall life. We don't earn a salary. We don't earn anything weekly or monthly. Even the guys on the PGA Tour, they do get sponsorship money because they're at a level where their name is recognizable and they could be paid, you know, based on just their name and their brand. But from their earnings, they get paid based on how they play. If a guy misses cut, they're not getting paid that week from golf. They might get paid from sponsor, but not getting paid from golf. On the mini tours, trying to get to the next level, we only get paid from compete and in order to compete you do have to pay a lot if you don't pay a lot you're paying you're playing very little amount of money so overall you have to invest in yourself before you turn this game you have to really invest and 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 just like in business when you don't invest very much it's hard to get a lot out of it but if you put yourself in position what with giving yourself the best facilities the, the best you know, coaching, it doesn't have to be the best, but very good facilities, very good coaching, very good competition, getting to, to play against the best players in the best tournaments consistently, you give yourself an opportunity to make it. If you don't have that, if you don't have that investment in the first place, you will never have the opportunity. And for somebody who might be on the fence, um, you know, just to – help them know about myself, I feel like I'm somebody who has proven that they can uh, compete at a high level, uh, both as an amateur and as a professional. I've won pro events. I've contended in big events. Um, I'm not quite there yet. You know, I, I still have to improve, and I, and I, and I feel like I, I, I've been working very hard to address that, and I'm starting to see very big results that, that show that there is an upward trend, and there is some somewhere that I am going to get to that is, you know, a, a very high level. And I'm, I'm excited to see what's, what's next. I actually have a tournament next week, a pretty big event uh, at uh, the Golden Bear Club in Orlando. And, um, you know, it's enough to, to where I'm going to get to. And I'm hoping for a really good year next year to, to actually make that happen. I feel it. I feel that you're going to have a fantastic event that's coming up next week and also a great 2022 because uh you already done the right thing you're here on the allen and aaron sports talk radio show and we're gonna make sure that we help you as much as we can to help you get your name out there the, the corporate sponsorship so looking for you're welcome that's that's our goal is to make sure we we let people know that you're you're ambitious you're hungry you want it and your, your scores are, are very good but you're also staying true that there's always something to improve in golf there's always something it's never absolutely a destination it's a, it's a journey and it, you, mentioned, you mentioned there are some things that you feel that you want to improve on what what specifically mm -hmm. in your golf game that you feel that might need a little bit more tweaking mm -hmm. yeah um so i i i look at myself right now if i could um grade my 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 overall game and you know this is on a weekly basis competitively um as of recent i've really improved my short game and this is chipping and putting. Um, I've really improved my driving off the tee. Um, I've gotten longer. I've always been relatively long distance-wise, and um, I've actually gained some distance 
Um, I know that the next step for me is to improve the distance wedges, you know, from, you know, 70 to 140 yards. And then my approach game with my irons, uh, hitting more greens in regulation, hitting them closer on par threes, uh, you know, consistently putting it in the right positions on the greens. That's kind of the part where I have the biggest room for improvement. And it's not based on ability. It's based on trust and confidence in what I'm doing in my golf swing. I'm working with the coach who's the head of the Sean Foley Academy. His name is Holden Freeman. And he's really helped me improve my golf swing in the last two years. And now it's, you know, as you guys know, it's not just about having a good golf swing or being good on the range. It's now about can you take it under pressure into competition and can you execute when you need to? And I, you know, I, I know that the more reps that I get, the better chance I will have to, continue to improve and, and start to execute more. And, and that's really my main focus is getting reps both in practice and getting competitive reps. And I know as long as I stay on the right track, stick to the process, and then continue to put myself in position by getting reps um, both in practice and competitively, there's definitely going to be a, a, a switch. And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to improve and, and get to the level that I need to get to. Yeah, I mean, definitely, you, you're right. You you have the right mindset. You got to stay humble and true to yourself. And you did mention Coach Holton. He's uh he's been somebody that's really motivated you a lot. Talk about the experience of working with him day to day. Um, he's been great. Uh, you know, I I I work with him as much as I I can. I used to actually practice at the golf course that he works at so I would see him a few times a week um now I'm a little I moved a little bit further away so I still try and see him as much as I can not not as much as I I want to yet but I'm seeing him as much as I can and really he has kind of taken me from uh you know a very talented player who had fundamental issues in their swing and kind of knew how to patch it together to somebody who was talented and has a fundamentally good swing and he's really improved my golf swing drastically. And, and you know, I'm, I have more versatility in my game. I'm hitting it further. I'm hitting it more solid, more consistently. Now the, the, the next step is on me. He, he's, he's really helped my, my swing and my technique. Now it's on me to improve my performance, my execution on, on, under pressure. You know, and I don't want to compare myself to the, the mini tour level and, the, you know, the guys I compete with every day because even though I, I still need to play as well as I can to beat them, the overall goal is to get to the PGA Tour. And, and my main focus is how can I get that good to be on that level? Um, and, and consequently, if I can get to that level as soon as I can, as soon as possible, it will result in being dominant in the mini tours and, and it'll lead to more wins and, and more opportunities. So, I definitely am focused on just being the best version of myself, you know, uh, skill-wise and, and performance-wise, and I think it's going to lead to to very good things overall. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I definitely agree with you. It's going to lead you to many, many doors and and definitely a lot of opportunities for you to go forward with. I also wanted to, to mention to you as far as, as golf is concerned, what are some of the things that are frustrating to you as a golfer, you know, whether it be other players, whether it be when you're competing, what are some of the frustrating mm-hmm. things that you might come across? 
Well, slow play is number one. Um, that is something that every golfer hates. But even in pro golf, uh, I, and I, I've actually noticed, like, you know, a lot of the tournaments we play in professionally, we actually get to play on carts. Um, sometimes we don't. And when we're walking, you can see just how slow it is. And that's really the worst part of going out to play and just, like, you know, having to wait, you know, on, on every shot. Other than that, even the bad, you know, some, you know, every day isn't great on the golf course. That's the reality of our sport. No matter how good you are, you could be Tiger Woods, you could be me, you know, you could be an amateur. Some days are better than others. And understanding that we're not going to feel the same way every day and, and just dealing with that is very difficult because, you know, we, as a professionals, we work so hard on our game to be optimal every day and and the truth is that's never going to happen and so it's something you have to kind of accept and that's that's a very difficult thing to accept but it's part of being a great golfer um tiger woods for example we all saw it you know he would have days where he hit it all over the place and he'll still shoot you know well enough to compete and that's kind of the, the the mental frame that you have to be as a as a professional to understand that you're not going to always be at your best, but you will grind it out. You will make the most out of whatever you have that day, regardless of how you're feeling, rather than let it, let it bring you down and, and drown your spirit and make you feel worse than you are. And, and then that's when you kind of blow up and, and don't play to your ability. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the main challenge as a, as a golfer. Um, other than dealing with the slow play, it's dealing with the fact that, you know, you're not going to feel the same way every day. You kind of have to accept that and, and overcome it. Yeah, that's absolutely right. It's great advice. And, and you mentally, when, when you do have to deal with slow play, because unfortunately, even at the pro level, slow play is part mm-hmm. of the game. What do you, what are your thought processes are when you're going through your, your prop, your, your shot mm-hmm. getting prepared for it and you got to wait mentally, what do you think about at that point? Well, that's something that I, I'm I'm kind of working on. You know, if I'm being completely honest, when when I'm playing and and waiting, I don't have a, 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 a like a method of what I do every time. Sometimes I um, I sit down and just think about what holes are coming up next. What's my strategy? Sometimes I have no thoughts. It partly depends on how I'm playing that day. Usually, if I'm playing really well. You know, it's most golfers will tell you when you're in a kind of in a zone, you're you almost like it's almost like a, 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 a I guess a tiger hunting it's prey it's, or a, a lion hunting like they're focused on what they got to do they they have laser focus on this is where I got to go this is how I got to chase this deer and catch it and as a pro golfer when you're playing well when you're in the zone you're laser focused on next shot what am I doing next um you know I had a tournament where um a few few uh few months ago that I played in Georgia and I had a rough front nine and on the back nine I made um three straight birdies on uh 14 13 14 and 15 and I got to 16 and um I hit my tee shot and the guy in my group was like, oh, did you just make three straight birdies? And I was like, oh, I did? Like, I didn't know because I was that focused. 
And I went on to birdie the next three as well. So I made six straight. And and that kind of thing only happens when you're, you know, very focused on the next shot. When you are kind of wandering and kind of thinking about what went wrong and what you need to do three holes from now rather than focusing on the next shot, that's when things can go awry. And that's where slow play can affect players because now when you're hitting shot after shot, you have only the next shot to worry about. But when you have to wait 10 minutes, you now might have to think about what did I do on the last hole? What do I do on the next hole? Rather than what do I do on this next shot? And that's really the way to think about it. Always look for your next shot. Yeah, that's right. Because slow play, you really can't do much about that. You know, you're absolutely right about that. And, And you brought up Tiger Woods. I definitely have to ask you, what are your thoughts as far as Tiger Woods now starting to swing the golf club and come back? And what are your thoughts about him and his, uh, future endeavors? Well, I think sometimes we take it for granted um, what he has accomplished. And, you know, I know we we do appreciate him, but as a pro golfer, you know, competing at this level every day, I now know what, how hard it is. And because they're so good, they make it look so easy and especially Tiger Woods, he made it look so easy. But the level that he played at is something that no one has ever done. No one's ever gotten to. So that's just that's impressive on its own. And then now what he's dealing with, for him to even just be able to, to walk again and swing a golf club, considering what happened uh, just over six, seven months ago, um, is it's, it's insane to me uh you know I, we all knew he would recover i think everyone in the back of their mind knew tiger was going to swing a golf club again but it really that's that's why i think we take it for granted because any normal human being they'd be just trying to figure out how they're going to walk and you just know he was in the gym rehabbing harder than anyone else and that's kind of the same mentality that i try to take as as, as a pro golfer it's like never never get comfortable, you know, keep pushing yourself and cause, cause that's what got him to where he is. And that's why I still think he'll compete at a high level uh, eventually again, you know, hopefully soon we'll see, but it's always good to have him in the game. And he's definitely my biggest inspiration as a golfer. And, you know, I definitely try and learn as much as I can from, from him. Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely an inspiration for yourself and myself too, for golfers all around. It's good that yeah. he's taking one step forward and moving forward. No, no pressure. <laughs> Just take right, it easy. Right. <laughs> right. But it's great that he's connected right. with golf. And um, with yourself, are you doing anything outside of golf? Meaning, do you have a part-time gig? Do you? Is it now you're 100 percent in? Yes. Um. My. You know. I've. I've kind of considered those options. Really. I I've decided that I want to be all in. I want to spend all my time invested in my game. Um, I do want I do have other uh, hobbies. I do have other uh, I guess activities that I enjoy to do. You know I I enjoy I you know I enjoy watching Netflix. I think everyone does. Uh, I enjoy basketball. I just enjoy sports in general. Uh, you know I enjoy going. Uh, hanging out with friends, close friends and family. Uh, 
and, and you know, it's not like my life is just golf, and I enjoy working out and listening to music, stuff like that. But in terms of my job, I'm fully focused on golf. I'm fully working on my game. Um, I, I, I do you, – you can have part-time work and still do it at a, at a high level. Uh, it's, it's just very difficult. It makes it, it, makes it that much harder. And it, the, the sport is already hard on its own. Pro golf is already hard on, on its own. You make it a little harder for yourself. Um, the one part it could make it easier is financially, but even then, the amount of hours you need to work to take care of yourself financially in golf, you would be taking away from your game unless you had a very fortunate situation where you're making a lot from very little hours. But most of the time, you know, we're spending a lot of money, and in order to, you know, take care of ourselves, we either have to have support from family or sponsorships or work to earn that money. And if you're working to take care of yourself, you're going to take so many hours away from your practice and competition that it, it makes it harder. And so I'm, I'm mainly focused on, on golf right now and, and trying to, you know, m- you know, get as much support as possible to help, it, you know, my investment in my game and myself easier and, and help myself to get to a higher level by putting a little bit more money in, and, and giving myself the best opportunity to perform. Yes, that's absolutely right. And here at the Allen and Aaron Sports like Radio Show, we're going to fully support you. In fact, I I told a, a Doug, a mutual friend, who I'll, I see he's on the line waiting in a moment, yeah. that I told him I was going to play a game with you and do some more exposure of your yeah. game by going out there and playing side-by-side side with you and, and also having it filmed and everything to make sure that oh, you get make, make sure you get maximum exposure and uh, before I bring Doug on let everybody know where you're playing at next week so that they get a clear under, clear understanding of that and what day it starts so if they want to watch you and support yeah. you there yeah so I'm playing at uh, Kings Point uh, it's called the Florida Elite Golf Tour uh, it's a big tournament it's $50,000 for the winner 100 and 30 players. Um, there is a cut after two rounds, but, um, you know, you, the goal is, is to give myself a chance to win and, and hopefully get it done. And regardless, I, you know, at the end of the day, all we can control is, you know, what we can do and how we play against the golf course. I can't control what anyone else does. So my personal goal is to play my absolute best and beat the golf course as much as I can. If that results in winning, fantastic and i'll i'll be very happy and uh yeah so that that's that's what's happening next week it's the king's point and golden bear club it's in windermere uh so i'm very excited about that yeah you should be i mean definitely that's that's something that to be proud of that you're number one in it and then you have a chance to win it we we definitely wish you a lot of success in that event and thank you i'm gonna go oh you're welcome i'm gonna go ahead and bring doug on and I know he's yeah. anxious to talk. Let me go ahead and bring him on now. Hey, Doug, how you doing? <laughs> oh, this is quite a surprise you got me. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was just in listening mode. I didn't know I was going to speak. <laughs> no, no, we, we, we got to get you. you know, hey, you're the one who, who got us the connection, got us the interview. It's, it's only right that you, you speak. And you mentioned that you 
played, and he can really drive a ball. So talk talk about him as a player. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you first of all how we met. You know, you know, I, I was I, I injured my ankle and I was trying to get my game back, and uh, my putting was way off. <laughs> And so, you know, I just spoke to a young man. He showed me, and, man, I mean, I, I, I was putting it in the hole, and I didn't even have to look at it, you know. So he was a great teacher. So we, we started from there and became friends. I had no idea this guy was this good. And, you know, we, we had him at uh, one of Larry's uh, golf tournaments. Yep. And, man, I think we shot a 52. All it was was he drove the ball. You know, I thought I might look 260. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm the man. Man, everything he hit was like three plus, 300 yards plus. So all we did was chip and put birdie, chip and put birdie. (laughs) I I ain't never seen a 52. (laughs) But, you know, I was was very impressed with the young man. Um, And, you know, know, a lot of people talk, you know, but I want to make a difference. No matter where I am, no matter where I, where I go or where I end up, I'm always, especially for the young people, uh, trying to make a way or trying to create an avenue that uh, we can promote them and leave something behind or build something that they can uh, gravitate towards. And uh, he's doing such an excellent job. I think he's already there. But um, if we can support and get behind him, you know, and uh, see that he gets to – uh, get the opportunity of a lifetime. That would just be amazing to me to see him on tour. Yeah, I mean I, that would be amazing for myself and also for, for everybody involved. That that's amazing. And we're gonna do our part to make sure we spread the word and get him some more sponsorships. Definitely get some more exposure because it's just a matter of finding the right person. And we got it. I mean, I I believe it's gonna happen. I just. Thank you, know, you just got to stay focused. Oh, you're welcome. Just got to stay focused, stay humble. You know, if you, whether you right. win this tournament or others, you, that's one of the downfalls I see with a lot of people that they do. Handling success, I'll let you know this mm-hmm. much, is handling success is just as critical as never getting success. You have to know mm-hmm. how to handle success. Right. A lot of people get for granted. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, and I, I told him, I said, man, I mean, I had, like I said, I'd never seen anybody swing up close like that. I, I recorded it, and I was still baffled. But, again, I told him, I mean, you know, I don't know how, you know, or, or when, but I'm going to tell everybody about Pedro Tokes and let them know uh, this is somebody that's supposed to be reckoned with if we give him the proper you know, support. And uh, if it's just me out there beating the gong and slamming the cymbals together, hey, check this guy out, you know. And then, you know, you know, lo and behold, opportunity uh, presents itself. So here we are. That's right. And and definitely. Thank you so much, Doug. Good man. Yeah, Doug. Doug is a man. (laughs) And, And coming from Nigeria, what would that mean to you to be representing Nigeria on tour with you making it? Yeah. Yeah, that would that would be that would be amazing. Um, I've I've I feel like I'm I'm kind of both Nigerian and American. My my dad was um was in the in the states when I was born. I was born here, and but from the age of one to thirteen, I lived in Nigeria, and then the rest of my life I've lived in the U.S. And but regardless, my upbringing was in Nigeria. My parents are Nigerian. My brothers. You know, they all grew up in Nigeria as well, and um, I, I feel like it's, it'll be a great 
a great achievement to to do that for my country and be the, be the first one to do it and just be somebody who does do it. You know, there's never been anyone to play at that level. No Nigerians ever played in a major major championship except for the British Open about 35 years ago, I, I believe, a long time ago. But wow. other than that, there's never been a Nigerian to play in a, a major in the U.S. And that's something, you know, I was the first to play in the U.S. Amateur, first to play in a PGA Tour sanctioned tour, and now I want to be the first to play in a major and win, and first to win, you know, and, and uh, you know, be, it would be an honor to do that and hopefully inspire a lot of young players in Nigeria and grow the game of golf in Nigeria um, and, and give more people opportunities to, to make it. So it, it would be amazing. Yeah, it would be, and I think it's going to happen. I believe it's going to happen too, and you know, definitely, uh, yeah, uh, definitely. And it starts with this this competition you have next next week, and it, it also yeah. we're going to give you that exposure. I, like I mentioned to Doug, that I will make make sure that I play that game with you and do that film and give you even yeah. more exposure to give you every opportunity possible to get discovered, get the corporate sponsorships that you'll need because you're right. Golf is, is not a cheap sport. I love playing golf, but I could tell you it, it, it can make you go broke quick. Right. Oh yeah. (laughs) I know. I know. know Uh, It's, it's definitely a very expensive sport, but it's rewarding in the same time. It's the only thing that I could spend, you know, over a hundred dollars on and not regret spending it you know even even if i have a bad day because it's just it's a rewarding sport you're getting experiences that you'll never get you know i i was privileged enough to play in china for an entire year and you know regardless of what people think about the country it was an experience that i'll never forget and it, it definitely changed my life and my perspective on things but um you know that, that's something that wouldn't have happened without playing golf so yeah, yep. definitely yeah. a great, great sport. Absolutely right. And how often do you normally get out there and play during a week, during a normal week? I, I I spend, it's my nine to five. I mean, I spend every day, even the weekends. Uh, I usually try to take one day off or, or at least, you know, if I, on Mondays, I might go in the morning and then spend the rest of the day at home just to get some rest time. But I'm I'm basically out there every day. It's it's a, it's a grind. It's it's also one of those sports where, you know, if you if you're not if you're not if you don't have the right things to work on, you could actually dig yourself a deeper hole. You can get worse if you're spending all your time. But you have to. One thing I've learned as a professional is how to practice correctly, how to work on things, and make sure that I am getting better and not worse. And uh, you know, you, you want to learn and you want to make sure every single day you come out a better golfer. And that's really my goal every time I practice. Yeah, that's definitely some good goals to have. Get better, make your scores better. And I'm, yes, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to coming out to, to play with you and yes, give you more exposure. I, I definitely appreciate Doug and appreciate yourself for coming on our show, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. And is there anything you want to say to your fans in closing before we let you go? Um, I, I do want to just say uh, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for this opportunity to speak and 
get my name out there and, and talk about, the, you know, from a perspective of a professional golfer, a lot of us don't get this opportunity, and especially the guys who are not on the PGA Tour. Uh, you know, if you're a golfer out there and you're uh, aspiring to be a professional, uh, whether you're younger or older, just know that it's a hard game. It's tough, but, but keep going, keep pushing. You know, you can't quit because that's really the – the only time you lose, you know, you don't really, you don't know that you lose until you quit. So, uh, you know, keep trying and, uh, you know, that's, that's all I got to say. Thank you. Appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> appreciate you too. Thank yes, you sir. so much, Doug. You. Yes, you sir. All right. God bless you both. Thank you. All right. Yes, sir. Bye. All right. All right, well, great to have uh, great to have both of them uh, on here uh, tonight, uh, Alan. I know that uh, obviously golf is something that we both really enjoy, and, and to have a uh, pro golfer on to give us you know his uh, feelings about the game and things that he deals with as a player and how he's trying to get better in certain areas is certainly always a great thing to uh, to hear about. We've had more golfers on this uh, on this program than we have uh, probably anything else, so we should both be uh, improved. Uh, just based on their uh, advice alone. So looks like we have Absolutely. another. Uh, <laughs> looks like we have another uh, caller here tonight, and this is actually someone we know very well. He is our regular uh, regular uh, caller. It is uh, Lou, who's on the line with us tonight. Lou, how are you? All right. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. How you doing? All right. So, all right. So since you were uh, discussing golf, and of course uh, the news about Tiger Woods. Where do you think we see him now, you know, at this stage in his career? I mean, he's saying he's probably never going to be, a, you know, playing at the level he once was, which is probably true, you know, being now he's, you know, almost uh, 50. Uh, you know, where, where, do we, where do we see him at, at this point now? I think, I I think mean, that's a think great he's going to make one more appearance in a major, do you, or do you think he's just going to say, forget it, I've done just about everything and, and whatnot, you know, because ever since, you know, the crash in February, that is, I think – I think it's putting some doubt into him as well. Let me take that uh, that that question here. I, I'm going to start by saying this: um, even before the accident back in February, um, I mean, Tiger Woods is what 45, 46 now, somewhere in there. 48. So, is he okay? So, I would say this: um, I mean, even before that happened. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's on the decline as any athlete would be at that age. Um, mm. he's, he's not going to be the same, uh, the same, uh, philosophy. I'm not sure if that's the right word or not as, as he was when he was no, in his twenties, you know, he's, he's not going to be, yeah, he's not going to be that same, that same high speed as he was in his twenties. Yeah. But here's the thing. The, the biggest person that's ever been compared athlete wise, as far as their popularity and what they mean to the game they play there's always been a parallel between Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan. And yeah. I will say this, Michael Jordan made that weird career move after he'd been retired for a few years. He came back and played for the Washington Wizards for what was it two years in the early 2000s. Uh, I believe it was 2003, 2002, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And he's still Michael Jordan. If he, if he decided to go play pickup basketball at some random basketball court tomorrow, people would line up to see him because he's Michael Jordan. So if Tiger Woods shows up and plays in a tournament, whether he makes the cut or not, people are still going to show up. He's still Tiger Woods. He could still do it. I mean, look, was it uh, three years ago? I think it was 2018. 
where he hadn't won a major tournament in I don't know how many years, and he won the Masters again. So we don't know how the injuries are going to play a role. I mean, he's got to get out there and decide he wants to play first. I'm, I'm sure that's probably the thing that's going to be the, the baby steps of this. But I, I, I will say this. I, I don't think he's the kind of guy who is – can't physically do it he's not going to go out there and embarrass himself and, and tarnish any part of his legacy as a as a player just like any other good athlete you know they're they're gonna they, they don't want people to remember them for what happened at the end if it's not going to look good so i would say he'll probably decide in the next six months to a year i'm not sure exactly where he's mm-hmm. at in his his uh, rehab and everything but you know i, I think we're going to know fairly soon but you know the the big days, uh, unfortunately, to, to say this uh, are probably it's pr- probably against you know the odds are probably against him as far as uh, as being able to make a full full comeback. Um, mm. Has he won his last major? I mean, I'd love to see him win one more. I think all of us would, but you know yeah. the, the odds are probably not in his favor, unfortunately, at this point. So we'll have to kind of kind of see. Yeah. But it'd well, make it sweet I, if he got one. Let me, so <laughs> let me add to that too. I, I think I think I love what I heard with Tiger. He does sound like he's very grateful that he still has a limb, and I know he has the itch to play. and And the thing about it is, I believe Tiger can win another Masters, and I do think he could still get Jack at this point. And it might sound maybe ludicrous to a lot of people, but listen, before this accident happened, I was saying that I felt Tiger was playing in too many tournaments as it was. At his age, him having other obligations with Charlie, him having family obligations, I've been there. You have to kind of cut down someplace. I felt as if he was playing in too many tournaments to begin with. I think this is a time yeah. where he has to kind of reassess, and I think he can do it. He's going to have to win with his mind more than his body. What I mean by that is he's going to have to probably mix in some hybrids, do what some of the older guys that you see at the golf course do, you know, and, and hit the ball in certain spots and try to win small ball instead of the power game that he had. It's kind of like Smoltz. Smoltz had to alter his game a bit. He couldn't win on striking everybody out with his heater. He had right. to kind of alter his game a bit. He's going to have to cut down in the amount of tournaments he plays in and alter his game. And I say he should play in the maximum, maximum seven to eight tournaments, all four masters and four of his favorites. And that's it. And then prepare well, practice well leading up until the Masters. And all he has to do is win one Master per year, and Tiger had a great year. Even if he wins one every two years, he's had a great year. So I do think there's opportunities for him to play on tour and to win a Masters and actually still catch Jack. I play with guys that have had some major knee injuries, and they play just fine. I know he's going to take his time, and he should. But I do believe Tiger has the itch, and I still think he wants to play. And that's the key. He wants to play. I think he could do it. To answer your question, Lou, I think I absolutely think he could do it. I think I answered the question very well. <laughs> I mean, since you're on a golfing um, venture or interview, whatever it seems to be, you know, I thought I'd just put on my two cents, you know, about with uh, Tiger. You know, yeah, I think this injury. Yeah, I think this injury might have changed him. You know, a bit too, because uh, you know he almost no losing a limb. He could have lost his life. Yeah, I mean that's 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 a he was involved in a traumatic experience. He, I mean, he acknowledges that, 
I, I saw a guy that understood the magnitude of what just happened and how lucky he was. Like you said, to lose his life, his limb could have been like secondary. He could have, like you said, lost lost yeah. his life. And he's, I mean, he's, he's, this is just a year coming up. This is just a year after coming up the Kobe incident, and I don't think we can, you know, stand out, you know, back to back of losing two great athletes. You know, that'd be. I mean, losing Kobe is not, but this would be completely devastating to us all. Yeah, exactly. And I just think I'm very grateful that he he made it through this incident, and he's he's doing well. I'm not one of the people that's gonna say you got to get on tour tomorrow or a month from now. Let the man take his oh. time. Let him take his time. But I do feel as if he has the itch. He didn't come out and say it full-fledged, but the fact that he's out there hitting a golf ball where he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to, shows to me that he still wants to play. That's That says it all right there. He wants right. to play. He wants just to wanna, play. Just want to throw some facts in here. Right. I'm looking at his, uh, his career wins page here, and the one that obviously is the most gravitating is going to be his – major championships he's won 15 majors in his uh 24 25 year professional career uh hard to believe it it'll be 25 years uh coming up this uh, april that he won his uh first masters Um, here here is the thing that i think goes against him though alan i think this is where you know obviously if he does it now it's going to be incredible especially uh being older especially with this accident that happened here uh, nearly a year ago so it was three years ago this coming uh, this coming April that he won the Masters. It was 2019. So if you look at his career uh, majors wins, uh, which the majors, of course, for those who don't follow golf as closely as Alan and I and, of course, Lou do, majors are the Masters, PGA Championship, the U.S. Open, and, of course, the Open Championship. Prior yeah. to 2019, here's the big thing that I think has got to be underlined here. Prior to 2019, it was basically 10, almost 11 years between winning a major, uh, a major tournament. His last one before that was the U.S. Open in 2008. So all I'm throwing out there is there's a long gap in between. So between basically 2000 and of the 15 he's won, between 1997 and 2008, he won the other 14. So there's an, there's an urgency that if in the first year or two, if he does come back, that if he hasn't won one, it's going to be awfully hard to, especially getting older, to, to come back and do it. So I, I would just yes. underscore that. I'm not saying I don't want him to do it, because I certainly would love to see it. And when he won in 2019, it was kind of like that American comeback story, seeing somebody who hadn't done something as great as he did in, in such a long time. Now it's going to be even sweeter. But unfortunately, with those stats, the odds are definitely not in his favor. So. Well, he's he's a guy who can who can be the exception to the rule, and and a lot yep. of that gap, a lot of the gap that he had wasn't really that he didn't have the ability. He had went through that that divorce, that whole debacle, ruined I would say at least five to six years of his career, because not only did he have to get over the fact of him going through that with his wife, the amount of shame that he had to feel yeah. playing in a golf tournament. I mean. I mean, he had to look over his shoulder every time to make sure she wasn't chasing him with a golf club. So <laughs> that too, that'll throw you off. So <laughs> her and a whole list of other women. He had a lot yeah. of women that was upset at him. Exactly. Yeah, that doesn't help. So <laughs> yeah, that debacle there ruined a lot of tournaments and a lot of wins for Tiger. Let's call it for what it is. Yeah. But he got past it, and 
Now it's just a matter of just performing. And I absolutely, I hope Tiger's listening to this because we have a lot of golfers, golfer traffic. I absolutely do think Tiger can win it. Can not only just win a a major tournament, I think he can still catch Jack. I really do because he only has to win one per year. That's it. He doesn't have to, he's the Grand Slam things. Those things, I, I mean, that I would say is over. Like you, you win in four tournaments in a row. No, probably not. But you can win a major tournament because you know as well as I know, Aaron. If if Tiger's in the mix, those guys at the top are going to get nervous. They're going to get nervous, and that's where he's going to be able to play. He's going to have to mix in some hybrids. He's going to have to change his game a bit because I know he doesn't have the length. He even said that. I know he could get some of it back, but with that type of a leg injury, he's going to have to supplement some places. But I think he could do it. I really do think he could do it. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy I wouldn't certainly bet against. Um, the odds are certainly not in his favor, but as I said before, you know, you talked about the the events that probably for a good six, seven years, five years, whatever it was, kind of threw him off there. He got back to the top in 2019, so it can happen again. So, so Lou, tell us what's um, what's going on in your neck of the woods right now. What's uh, what's happening for you? Well, not much, not much to talk about really. I mean, Jets and Giants are not doing that well. Knicks are struggling. The only team that's only doing right now is the Rangers. Yeah. (laughs) Rangers and Nets. Yeah, so the Jets are, you don't think they're going to win another game this year then? It doesn't sound that way. Not as it stands right now, no. Wow. So who has been the bigger disappointment, the Jets or the Giants? Uh, they're both equally bad, so I can't really say, you know, <laughs> who is the biggest appointment. They've been on a decline for years. So, you know, I would have to say it's pretty much even. Yeah, I guess you're right. And I I would probably yeah. say the Giants. I mean, I know that they had that bad injury for Saquon mm-hmm. Barkley, but to not perform the way they have, I mean, you, you figured the Jets were going to win some games and definitely do better than they are, they are now with a new well, coach. With a new coach, uh, probably not. Yeah, Mark's, uh, he's Slayeth is a good coach, too. It's the same. I mean, but, you know, not for nothing, but when a new coach comes in, that usually doesn't mean you're going to have a good season. It, it really doesn't. Yeah, you got to start all over from scratch, and it seems like, yes, you know, yes. the, the, the cycle with the Jets, at least, has been – it seems almost like they make head scratching hires. Now I think that Robert Sale, I believe, is there now. Um, I think that he certainly has the background to, to be, you know, the disciplinarian they need there in New York. Um, you know, just he, he certainly has earned his opportunity to be there. But my thing would be, this team is not in a position. Where, I mean, you got to build from scratch essentially at this point. You're, you're top couple of picks in the draft, you know, you've really got to start rebuilding things. And here's the thing about New York football, whether it's the Jets or the Giants, people are not patient in New York. You know, we know this from all the other sports that go on there. I mean, look at the Mets, how many times they've changed managers and general managers just in the last two or three years alone. So tell me about it. The Jets, and it seems like, again, you know, and this is in the, funny enough, this is in the post uh, Rex Ryan era. Um, they go through quarterbacks, 
They go through coaches. They go through yeah. coordinators. And they just don't seem to be – I think the thing about it sometimes is, you know, one, one thing you want is a flashy name. That doesn't always work. So then you try the up-and-coming coordinator, and that doesn't work. And then you try the obscure person who nobody really knows about. That doesn't work. You get the retread like they had Adam Gase a couple of years ago, and that obviously didn't work. So Adam who? Yeah, and, and then and then uh, you know you're going through general managers left and right. So there's no continuity yeah. to the core of the team, you know. And that that's really the thing that you have to have, whether it's football or whatever. Football probably I'd say is more than anything else because, and I'll use. Um, I'll use the example. I think it was Jameis Winston when he was in Tampa. First three years he was in Tampa, he had three different offensive coordinators, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, you know, obviously his skills were there, but it's really hard to every single time a new season starts, you're trying to learn a new playbook. Same thing happens in New York where your whole entire organization is shifting. It's basically like a Rubik's Cube, and you're never going to get it right. So um, I think they just need to be patient in New York. That's really the, the key there, and that's – not always the easiest thing to say, but it's really, I think, what's going to happen to help them out. Yeah, a little patience goes a long way, that's for sure. How was your Thanksgiving, by the way, Lou? Oh, Thanksgiving went, went good. Really good. Okay, that's good to hear. That's always a great thing. Had a lot of turkey, so that's always uh, always great. <laughs> we didn't have that. You know, we, we didn't have that, you know, that much, but we had yeah, that's good to hear. Do you have uh, anything, any news on your show coming up? Oh yeah, we got plenty of stuff. I mean, we got we got um, well, Championship Saturday for one. Uh, okay. We'll look at the uh, Hall of Fame nominations for baseball and football. To bring the bad news, uh, we'll be discussing the lockout of Major League Baseball. I hate to say I told you so, guys, but I told you so, and it happened. <laughs> so we're going to get to the ugly. We're going to get to the ugly stuff tomorrow. Oh, boy. So. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, I don't know how long it's yeah. going to be going for, but uh, certainly not a not a good start to the off season. Except no, for all that yeah. money that was. But remember, we week. we expected this. This is this is uh, not not a surprise at all. Well, it's not, it's not to me, and you know they've been you know. Um, I don't think I say the word um, uh, bitching, but they've been doing that for quite some time. Yeah, a lot of back and forth. And doing the blame yeah. game. So, you know, we're going to discuss that. It's going to be ugly tomorrow, but be prepared. I know I am. Yeah, since you brought that up, <laughs> what are your thoughts on the lockout yourself, Aaron? What did you, what did you think? That is official. Uh, well, I mean, here here is – there's a lot of thoughts on this. Um I think that some of the demands that the players uh, union is trying to go for, um, I mean, you, you got to bring a reasonable offer to the table. You got to make concessions in some areas. Uh, any, any negotiation is going to be like this. You got to find the things that you, you got to find the things you're going to stick to, but you also sure. need to have some, some areas where you're going to have some give. I think the one positive about this, if there is anything though, is it's happening in the off season. So we're having a work stoppage, technically speaking, which basically just means there's no trades and no free agent signings and all that kind of stuff, but it's happening. I mean, we're, we're three months or two and a half months or whatever it is away from spring training starting. So I, you know, I don't want to blow it off and not have anything end up, 
you know, happening where they can't get a season in. But I, I do really firmly believe that after the holidays, and it'll probably be early January, there's going to be something done. They'll come to their senses, and they'll find a way to get a new agreement together. No, I, know a lot I don't of it, know. I mean, when they had their meeting on Wednesday, it lasted all seven minutes, and they probably just say, forget it, we're getting out of here. Goodbye. Well, it's not going to be a forever thing. Um, and I, I agree, it's disappointing and discouraging that that happened. Um, but here's here's the reality. Here's here's what both sides are looking at. On the player side, you know, they want to change the, on the players' union side. They want to change the service time of, of players. It's always been, or has been for as long as free agency's been around. It's been six years of of service time allows you to become a free agent and test the market and those sorts of things. And so you have that as part of what's in play. You also have minimum league salary, which, by the way, gentlemen, is I believe now. 520000 a year. I'll take league minimum all day. You guys can sign me up. I'll, I'll play half a season. I'll be done. Perfectly fine with me. Um, get that meal money to go with it. Um, and there's also some other things that are, are certainly um, curious uh, elements of this, too. I was reading this past week that they want to expand uh, the playoff bracket to 14 teams. I'm not sure if I'm really – yeah. I'm not really sure if I'm keen on that, and here's why. Because yeah. I've run a lot of simulations, uh, computer simulations, and a lot of times, I mean, 14 teams, there's bound to be what we saw in 2020 with the special playoffs that we saw. There's bound to be a team that's under 500 making the postseason, and I think that's unhealthy for the game. So you got to be really dumb, careful how – You don't want to dumb it down too much. Um, you know, this isn't uh, – <laughs> I hate to say it this way. It's not Little League, you know, so – um, but I tell you what, I was gonna say hockey, but thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the, the neat thing though, is this week. And I, I think that, uh, if nothing else, it just pauses all the hot stove talk for the off season. What a week or eight days, whatever it was for free agents. I mean, you have Max Scherzer, 37 years old, who is, he's not a normal 37 year old. Of course he gets a three year was it a hundred and forty million dollar deal from the the Mets? So you know his career is going down the toilet the rest of the way. Um, <laughs> um, you had uh, uh, was it uh, Javier Baez signed with the the Tigers? I believe he signed him. I, I may be wrong on that. I have to look that one up again. Um, Freddie Freeman is still out there. Um, a lot of people like myself who are Braves fans are kind of concerned that that hadn't happened yet. But, again, we're only at the beginning of December. In a normal free agent world, nothing really happens till middle or end of December in a lot of cases. But a lot of money was spent this past week on uh, on players going to different places. I know the big name was uh, Corey Seager finally leaving the Dodgers and going to the Rangers. They spent a ton of money to bring him in. I want to say like $325 million over 10 years. I wouldn't mind a small portion of that myself, but um, I think once this all resumes, it'll happen at some point. We're going to see even more money spent. So um, hopefully we'll see some encouraging signs here in the next month or so. Um, and we'll see where things go. Wow. Yeah, you're right. I mean, definitely I hope they get the things together and and get this lockout over with quickly because that's, a, you know, that's one of the things baseball doesn't need. We all definitely did see this one coming unanimously we just 
I guess it's kind of heart disheartening that we actually saw the train wreck happening and before it actually happened and it did happen. Yeah. Well, the, and, the birth of this honestly was in last year when the pandemic hit in March and it shut everything down. And then, and Alan, you and I talked about this. this is probably one of the first big things we talked about as a show was back in June of last year, basically a year and a half ago. Is there going to be a 2020 season? Are they going to come together in an agreement? You, you had guys who were in, again, this is exactly how it always goes. You had guys who were making millions yeah. of dollars who were upset and saying, hey, I don't want to play this year because that $15 million I was going to get is only going to be $6.5 million, you know. Meanwhile, people are out there, you know, <laughs> living off of, you know, savings accounts and things of that nature. So it, it's the same thing. It's, it's millionaires uh, who are the players arguing with billionaires who are the owners. And, you know, the fans are the ones who get crushed by it. And at the end of the day, when they do come to an agreement, both sides will get a raise. It, it's not going to really overly impact either side. It's just that they want to have a little bit of pride in it. So, um but I think a lot of this uh, started with last year. They wanted to, to throw some things into that temporary agreement, and it was kind of a foreshadowing of what's happening now. So, No, you're absolutely right. It's, it's one of the things that kind of started with, with uh, COVID, and it unfortunately took another turn for the worse. So hopefully they get things worked out. And, yeah, Lou, so – you got a big show coming up that same time tomorrow, Saturday, between five and seven, Eastern Standard Time Zone. That's right. You're back. You're back for a week off, right? Yeah, I always I always take Thanksgiving off anyway. So it's not a surprise there. <laughs> yeah, no problem at all. You're allowed to do that. We did yeah. as well. We took Thanksgiving weekend off. Yeah, only three shows left. That's right. This year's coming to an end real fast. That's exactly right. And yeah, and make sure all the yeah. listeners you fourth, eleventh, eighteenth, and then we're off till the January until January eighth. Yeah, it's going to be pretty close to how our schedule will work out as well. Yeah, yeah, so definitely make sure you guys support Lou. His the phone number is five one two five four three four six six two, and that's five one two five four three four six six two, and that's uh. Hi, George, I think he's got it. Yep, East Coast. Yep, Eastern Standard Time Zone between five and seven tomorrow. Yeah. The Enhanced Sports Show. Anything else you want to tell the listeners too, Lou? Yeah, I mean, you know, whoever is an expert in any particular subject, of course, uh, bring it to the table. Uh, but try to keep it short, like in within a five to seven minute range, so we can get as many topics as we possibly can. And drop right. up any f bombs or s bombs or anything else like that. <laughs> Keep it clean, folks. That's right. <laughs> right. It's a family show, people. Yes, right. Well, all, you, all you think of it is a family show. It's a family show. That's right. But well, we all you think of it's a family show. <laughs> yeah, right. We definitely appreciate you hearing back from you. Oh, after, especially after the holiday, and definitely I'm glad you're safe and everything's going well for you. Yes. So definitely yeah. have a have a have a great weekend and a great show. All right. Hopefully you guys get a chance to call in tomorrow. All right. Sounds like a good idea. No problem at all. 
Can you hey, Lou, thanks, uh, thanks for joining us tonight. You have a great evening. <laughs> Good night, fellas. Good night. Thank you. Appreciate you, Lou. Okay, now just let me get out of here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, it's always good to hear from uh good to hear from Lou there. So well we hit on one of the topics we had on our agenda here tonight. That was uh major league baseball uh, lockout, uh some of those free agent signings that were starting to happen. Uh some of those things will probably take a little bit more shape as I mentioned before after the lockout ends, which again we have no idea Alan when that will be. Um wanna talk about something that we talked about real briefly here right before we started here tonight. Um and that is uh LeBron James <laughs> um, always likes to be in the spotlight, of course. And, uh, you know, he's had a lot of uh, things around him in the past, things that he just gets criticized for, I guess, more than anything else. Uh, about a week, 10 days ago, um, within the last two weeks, since we lasted a show, I guess, um, there was the incident that happened in, uh, in Indiana into Pacers. And I want to say it was late in the fourth quarter if memory serves me correctly, um, a couple of fans sitting on the floor, and I believe they were on the other side of the floor from where he was even at. You see yep. uh, LeBron grab the referee. He kind of points him in this direction. Security comes over, and these two individuals get up, and they're escorted out. And uh, I don't know what was said. Um, maybe you have more insight than I do, but um, it just seems like this is something that's more common with LeBron lately. He doesn't seem to be able to, to take the um, – the criticism and more often than not it gets the better of him and he ends up you know reacting maybe not in the way that we would have expected uh, what are your thoughts on how this uh, all kind of went down for him yeah it's it's you know as much as i, I love lebron is what he's doing both inside on the court and off the court i'm i'm gonna say this as the guy who really admires and respects lebron as you know an african-american male and i am too what he does outside of the court is outstanding. Let me just say that first. And what he does on the court is outstanding too. Having said that, LeBron is letting he's he's becoming too thin skinned. And I won't repeat what they said. And yes, I heard doing research what they said. You guys could you know Google search it and find it online. I won't repeat what they said. Was it no place for it? Yes. They didn't call him the N word or anything like that, but they they basically put him down. And they went too far with it. I agree with LeBron on that. But I don't agree with LeBron. He's becoming it's becoming more of a theme for him. I remember me and you talked about with him and when they had the lockout, they started to let fans in with the mask. Very limited people they let in. The guy had an argument, you know, he was criticizing LeBron. They started arguing. Then his, uh, you know, Karen, quote, unquote, Karen girlfriend jumped in and they got kicked out. Now, a few months later, there's more fans in the stands. And guess what? It's the same situation. LeBron will tell the security, hey, I don't like what they said. They get kicked out. What I would say on this is it's not a good look on LeBron because this, the common denominator is yourself, LeBron. Meaning you're the one who's being, telling people to leave. Yes, fans are going to be unruly. Yes, fans are going to be jerks. Yes, they're going to say things that are not pleasant. Look back at the, you know, when Jackie Robinson was playing, they were saying stuff even more vulgar than what they do now. Having said that, you got to let it go. You got to, that's part of the, of you being an athlete 
you getting paid millions of dollars, you got to ignore it and show it on the court. One of the, I was reading some of the comments that they said about LeBron and, and that incident he just had in Indiana. One of the top comments was lay snitch. Yep. Lay <laughs> exactly. yep. snitch. And then um, another person called them, what is the first thing you see when you see LeBron? And they say Karen. One word, Karen. And it had a bunch of likes. So that is showing to me that you're getting a reputation that's not favorable to you. Forget about people talking about the Jordan comparison. I'm not even bringing Jordan up, and I'm telling you, LeBron, I hope you listen to this. It's not a good look. You keep telling people to escort them out. First of all, they pay a lot of money, and in turn, they're paying your salary. You can't ask them to get kicked out. I can understand once in a blue moon it happens. You, someone says something, it rubs you the wrong way, you ask them to leave. I get it. But this is becoming a pattern, a pattern of behavior. Those are my thoughts. You need to, you need to kind of look the other way, take a timeout, whatever you need to do, just ignore it, move on. I would love to hear your thoughts, Aaron, on this. No, I, I agree with you 100%. And I'll go a little further um, on, on LeBron. Um, play the damn game, you know? I mean, seriously. You don't need to be listening to what's going on in the stands. You're going to have people who hate you. You're going to have people who love you. You don't need to be – seriously, play the game. You need to pay attention to what's going on on the court, not listening to what's going on in the stands, even if those people are sitting right next to you. Now, yeah, you, you, you yell you know, certain obscenities. Certainly, you're going to get kicked out, but that's going to happen anyways. Let the security people handle that. But in my opinion, you know – here's a guy who it's almost like he was looking for it and you're right he's a common denominator every time and i think that he kind of has and i i I said this kind of jokingly for a guy who you know is the king he kind of let it go to his head a little bit you know um you know he's got to be a little stronger mentally than that and i again pay attention to what's going on on the court don't worry about what people are saying about you in the press or in the in the papers or, you know, online or even in the stands, you're going to have people who don't like you. And it's almost like he's gotten this complex about himself that is anybody who doesn't like me, I kind of have to go after. And that, that's, that's kind of bothersome in a sense. Um, when really at the end of the day, he just needs to play the game of basketball, which he's so well gifted to do. And let all the, let's be a second, let your, let your actions as a player speak louder than those people who you were, Thing or criticizing you. That, that's, that's what I would say, just to kind of sum it up there. Yeah, he needs to give a call to Barry Bonds. That's what he needs to do. And why I say <laughs> that is <laughs> he needs to call Barry Bonds because somebody was criticizing Barry Bonds when he was having a rough patch with him, him and his significant other. They were going through a breakup. She, he mentioned something, you know, smart and comic. And Barry says, I don't know where she's at. She's maybe at your house. I don't know. But anyway, the next pitch, upper deck. You need to block that stuff out. You either yeah. either roll with it or block it out. Either way, but you cannot, you know, hey, security, follow me, and, and get these people kicked out. It, like It just it, looks so childish. It, it, it looked, it, you know what, it, it honestly looks like, it looked like, you know, a six- or eight-year-old kid who, you know, was getting picked on on the basketball court and – grabbing mommy and saying, hey, come over here and tell that little kid to go away and stop bothering me. 
be a bigger man than that. I mean, you're you're a multi 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 millionaire. He's probably a billionaire with all. He's his, a billionaire. You know, billionaire yeah. now. So look, I'll, I'll be honest with you. If I was a billionaire, I wouldn't give a crap what anybody says. So, <laughs> and in fact, I'd probably encourage it at that point. Like, hey, you could throw all the crap at me you want. I'm still a billionaire. So I I, I think that. I think he's more – he's almost becoming like Emperor James. You know, it's like, you know, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to rule people to go this way or that way, you know. <laughs> he, he's, he's, he's got it going to his head. That complex needs to just go away. And, you know, it, it, you know, obviously he's with the Lakers. The Lakers are expected to win. And so if they don't win and it's because of these kinds of things, it's going to come back down to, well, you let people who aren't even – who aren't even playing against you. This isn't like the the, the, the the defenders who are playing the other side of the ball, you know, that, that are that are that are getting in his head. That I can understand. If your opponent's getting in your mind, then you got outplayed. You got outsight. You're letting the fans get in your head. That's terrible. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. So looking over some other stuff here tonight, I know we've uh, kind of our NFL picks, we're not going to go through them, uh, Alan, this evening just because it's such a long part of our segment. But I, I want to kind of hit on something else that is uh, um, in a big thing. We actually predicted this two weeks ago on our last show, um, and that is uh, the college football carousel, uh, coaching carousel. Uh, a lot of job openings uh, have uh, have started. It usually happens around mid-November, sometimes even earlier in the season than that. And um, – some big, big moves in the last uh, week or so. Um, let me pick up what I have here. There's still a couple of good jobs out there. Alan, you still with me? I think we may have lost Alan's audio for a moment there, so I'll go ahead and continue until he comes back. Um, like I said, uh, some big news in the college coaching carousel. We're a little late to the show because it happened uh, about, about a week ago. Uh, you have uh, three major openings in college football. Uh, they were uh, LSU, of course, uh, who had uh, moved on from Ed Orgeron uh, back in mid-October. Um, even before that, you had uh, uh, USC move on from Clay Helton. Big job out west. I mean, it's probably the biggest job in college football on the west coast at USC. And then you also had, of course, uh, Florida here uh, right about two weeks ago fire Dan Mullen. And uh, after four years or so there, they decided to move on. So last. Sunday afternoon, I believe it was, uh, the announcement came down that Florida has uh, moved on to uh, Louisiana Lafayette head coach Billy Napier. He will be the new head coach uh, introduced here on Sunday uh, for the Florida Gators. Uh, Sunday afternoon, I'm driving down to uh, eat a uh, second Thanksgiving meal, and I get the alert on my phone that USC has hit a major home run by uh, hiring Lincoln Riley uh, from Oklahoma. Obviously, um, didn't see that one coming. It was kind of an overnight thing. And um, the terms of his contract are absolutely ridiculous. So he's getting um, all kinds of just additional perks that are um, way more than you would think that would be in a contract. Um, but good for him and a great hire, by the way, for USC. I think they're going to get back uh, back to prominence here before too long. And then um, LSU had kind of lost that on those two guys that just got hired. So Billy Napier was rumored to be at LSU. Also, uh, Lincoln Riley was rumored to be uh, on their uh, short list of candidates. And 
going into Monday morning, the news broke that Brian Kelly, who has been at Notre Dame for the last, I believe, 12 years, he signed a $95 million 10-year deal with LSU to become their new head coach. So three really good jobs opened up, uh, three really good moves, I think, for all three teams. We'll see how it plays out over the next several years. Uh, The college football coaching carousel is always one of my favorite uh, things that goes on during the year because you just never know who's going to go where and what may happen. So um, definitely a good take on each of those things. I don't believe we got Alan back, unfortunately. I think his audio has uh, unfortunately uh, lost it. Alan, you back with me? It's unfortunately not. Um, give it another moment or so here. This does occasionally happen uh, when we're live, so. Hey, Alan, are you back? We may not get his audio back here tonight, unfortunately, but uh, what a great show here tonight. Uh, I want to thank, certainly thank uh, our special guest, uh, pro golfer uh, Tokes Pedro, for joining us here tonight, taking time out of his busy golf schedule uh, to uh, to go through, um, you know, his view of what he is uh, doing right now in the game. Uh, certainly uh, a great thing to see. He's an up-and-comer, and, and uh, we hope to see him uh, really continue to make a name for himself over the next several years uh, on the uh, PGA Tour for sure. Um, and uh, definitely uh, a lot of good things to hear. Alan, uh, I'm not sure if he's back with me or not, but uh, anybody who has looked at our Facebook page recently, seen any of our recent posts, he got an opportunity to actually play golf uh, this past week with uh, – one of my all-time favorite NFL players, uh, Derek Brooks, uh, who is a Hall of Famer, of course, from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, there's some pictures up on our Facebook page. Certainly love to see, um, uh, have you all check those out. If you want to make any comments, uh, any sort of, uh, you know, things you want to bring up as topics for us to discuss here on the last two shows of the year, uh, we'll have another show here on December 10th, which is next Friday. And then two weeks from tonight will be our final show for the 2021 uh, sports year, and then we'll be back, uh, of course, uh, two weeks later on January 7th, 2022, and that'll lead us into the 2022 sports uh, calendar year. So, uh, again, uh, tonight uh, we had a great show. I want to thank Alan for uh, for his time, and again, Tokes Pedro, and signing off here tonight, this is Aaron. Everyone have a great weekend.